On this episode, we're back with some more Rubyisms, which are my sort of phrases or nuggets or pieces of wisdom or things that I think people should hear. I don't know exactly how to define them, but it's me trying to take big ideas and consolidate them into, you know, tiny little sentences or small phrases that make you go, hmm, about stuff. But now I just sound like Arsenio Hall in the 90s. Anyway. Let's get into the Rubyisms. I think you'll dig it. Here's our producer, Jeremiah McVeigh, who's picked out some of his favorites of the Rubyisms that I've published so we can discuss them. Hey, Jeremiah. Hey, Matt. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we did this before, but just as a reminder to anyone or if it's their first time hearing one of these, some of these are ones that I related to in some way or maybe I didn't quite get them and wanted to ask you about them or maybe I just wanted to ask you for examples to illustrate them from your own life uh, and how you came to this so-called truth or this rubyism. And so, yeah, here's, here's our first one for this episode. Cynics are just disappointed romantics. And this is one I've heard you say before, for sure. I, I mean, I can kind of, you know, decipher it on my own, but I want to hear it from you. Cynics are just disappointed romantics. Yeah, I think... I've been accused of being cynical before, which I don't think is that accurate. But if I am at times, I think the act of cynicism implies that you have some vision for how the world is supposed to be that's not being met, that there's some utopia or utopian ideal that you have that we are not attaining. And I think that is baked into cynicism on some level, that if you are disappointed uh in that to that level or skeptical there there is a flip side of that which is that like this is how the world should work the world should be this way and we're not attaining it and so i i think sometimes you know if you're just sort of like everything's terrible and it's supposed to be terrible and that's just the way it is i don't think you're really a cynic i think you know uh, uh, someone who's who's like uh, oh this is gonna you know uh break bad again it's just sort of like I think baked into that is something of like, oh, I used to think the world would be better than this. I used to have this vision. <laughs> I used to have this romantic notion of how the world would behave and, and we never quite live up to it. So maybe it's a little bit of a, a, a utopian view of cynicism on some level. It's the anti-cynical view of being a cynic. Maybe you could do this. Maybe you could give an example of something that fits that for you that we haven't actually talked about on the podcast before. Um, I mean, I, uh, politics would be a good one. People who are like really cynical about politicians all being like bought off and paid for and they're not going to do anything except for look out for themselves. Like, I think baked into that is this idea of like, oh man, the way politics should work is it should be people who are want to help, people who are yeah. actually trying to lead, people who are trying to find solutions, people who are in public service because they want to be of service and help others, and they're out there trying to find solutions, and they're not, they're they're immune to bribes, and they're just you know doing it there to quote you know reality dating shows they're there for the right reasons um and so i think when people are like oh politicians look at look at this jerk he's just trying to you know <laughs> make his money and then he's going to become a lobbyist or something like that i think baked into that is the notion of like that's that's wrong and there is a right way to do it and yet we don't or we hardly ever get to see that right way um and i think you know it doesn't that's that cynical person is right 
on in many ways, but also what they're revealing is sort of like this uh, affinity for how they wish the world was. How about this one? Uh, tradition makes you focus on the wrong things. Want people to remember your wedding? Skip the cake and spend that money on a choreographer for your first dance. No one cares about cake anyway. Tradition makes you focus on the wrong things. Uh, well, tradition is a roadmap or a battle plan or an instruction manual that has been given to you from someone else. Yeah. Uh, and it, there can be value in there. I'm certainly you know, someone who's, uh, as we've talked about previously, a fan of ancient wisdom and ancestral knowledge and things like that. But I think also, you know, a lot of times people are just like going through the motions there. Someone else has programmed the app and now they're just running that code as opposed to right. thinking about what do I actually want? What do I think this needs? What do I think is special here? Um, and yeah, I, I guess wedding cakes to me are like this greater, like whenever people tell me how much they spend on wedding cakes, I'm like, this is <laughs> so goddamn absurd. You know, like maybe the, like, couldn't you buy like a $20 cake at Walgreens and do the feeding each other thing? And like, wouldn't everyone be fine with it? I just think, uh, are you operating are you doing this because it's great for you? Is it what you want? Is it helping the ceremony? Is it for the enjoyment of others? Or is this just some uh, sort of uh, part of the wedding industrial complex that now you've, you just follow orders? You're, you're basically like doing something because everyone else is doing it and everyone else has always right. done it instead of questioning why and saying, is there a better way? Is there some, some other way to do this? And I'll give you an example of uh, uh, when I... Uh, worked at a company called 37 Signals and we wrote a book called Rework. And one of the choices that we fought with the publisher about was like uh, the beginning pages of the book where they were like, well, you have to have the IBSN number or whatever it's called. And there has to be these credits and this. And then we were like, no, we just want to start the book. We want it so you open up, the, the, you know, we'll put the acknowledgements at the end, anything else will just be at the end. You open up the book and you start reading. And there was this huge like uh, battle back and forth with the publisher about it because they're like, no, we've never done that before. That's not how books are done. And then finally, like they relented and like we were able to do it that way because it was like there wasn't actually a good reason. It was just like, oh, we always do it this way was the reason mm -hmm. um, as opposed to like uh, what do we actually want and what's best for us. And so I think right. that's something to be mindful of. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would, I would split a little hair here and say, uh, maybe what you're really talking about is blind traditions versus meaningful traditions or like uh, more specifically, maybe like in taking the wedding example from, from the Rubyism, um, think of like family traditions versus societal norms or expectations. If you have like, some family tradition of like, we have this cake, uh, this type of cake with this type of decoration on it because it means this to our family. And like, it's something unique that you can bring to the situation. I think that's one thing. I think if it's just like, we're doing this because that's what people do. Like, why? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Why are you doing that? Like, you're doing that because someone told you you should. Can you back it up with a reason? Like I, that's, that would be what I would parse out of it, I guess. Yeah. And I think, uh, no, you make a good point. Yeah. Like rituals are great. And I don't think all tradition is bad. I'm being hyperbolic yeah, no, if, if I state that, but like also that you can make your own rituals that sometimes these mm -hmm. established traditions are just sort of like the off the shelf solution. Uh, you're just getting yeah. like the, the box of software would be the old analogy that we would use versus like coding your own. 
Um, and so, yeah, you can do this. And I think a lot of people like don't know or don't want to come up with their own traditions or rituals, but also that you can come up with your own. You can roll your own and, and make your own sort of annual tradition. You can, Festivus, great example. Like <laughs> you, you can make your own thing and name it and turn that into a reality as opposed to having to, you know, celebrate other people's holidays. Right. Well, this next one is all about the comma. Make your violence beautiful. Make your violence, comma, beautiful. And I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the, I think, well-known Jay-Z line, I'm not a businessman, I'm a businessman. <laughs> he, he is also a master of the comma. Uh, yeah, I feel like uh, it, it's easier to see when you read it, so I'll say it again. So make your violence beautiful and make your violence, comma, beautiful. Um, so yeah, so like, I think, you know, violence gets a bad rap to not to go back to Jay-Z, but, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that there's like, uh, what it, disruption, shaking things up, you know, tearing something down, uh, you know, being destructive, all those things can be necessary parts of life, you know, so like make your violence beautiful. So like whatever that is that's happening within you or externally, like, is there a way to turn that into beauty? Is there a way to like absorb the carbon dioxide and turn it into oxygen? Is there a way, you know, if you are going to, uh, you know, do something destructive, is there a way to kind of make it uh, as, as pretty as possible or serve some purpose? Mm-hmm. Um, and then make your violence comma beautiful is like, make your violence beautiful. You know, like uh, in my mind, it's a, a person uh, and you're, you're, you're calling them beautiful. Um, and encouraging like a little bit of violence, like that, you know, and when I say violence, not hurting another person in some way, but I think about in terms of like a forest fire that sometimes the forest needs to burn down in order to let the new trees grow and that there's something about, um, destruction that is part of growth, that is part of renewal that, you know, you see in nature all the time of, uh, you know, things being, uh, destroyed, but that's the way we make room for the new. And I even see this sometimes in a generational mindset of, you know, allowing, you know, sometimes the old ways need to die off in order to let, Mm -hmm. let the new ways grow that like whatever parents liked, you know, the teenagers are going to reject on some level and come up with their own new version, punk rock, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, you know, safe safety pins in your nose and spitting at each other. And like, I'm sure the generation before them is like, what the hell are these kids doing? But like they were, they were rejecting what had come before and in like a, a beautiful yet violent, you know, way were making something new that was their own, that was moving things forward. So I think, yeah, maybe punk rock would be an example of like making your violence beautiful. Let me know how this fits in. If it does, uh, the first part of it, just make your violence beautiful. No comma. When I first read that, I thought of a quote, or something that Francis Ford Coppola said that I heard a long time ago. He talked about how violence in a film isn't necessarily interesting, but when you add an eccentricity, that's when it makes it art. Like, and he, you know, he did that very well. And like the Godfather of like, you know, uh, violence being intercut with, with a baptism, you know, like Tarantino. yeah, yeah, and I think he said this in relationship to Tarantino, maybe if if I remember correctly, or at least I remember thinking of Tarantino because I think it was around the time Pulp Fiction or Jackie Brown came out or something like that. So it was on my mind if it wasn't on his, and I'm putting words in his mouth. But um, 
yeah, it's just something that's always stuck with me of like, if you're going to do that, do it well, make it interesting, you know? Yeah, Scorsese also. Yeah, I think it's yeah. also acknowledging a reality of like, well, this violence, violence does exist in the world. He was responding actually to the idea of gratuitous violence sure. in movies and people asking if violence in those movies by those type of filmmakers was gratuitous. And that was his argument against that. Yeah. So. Yeah. And like violence exists. Sometimes it's even necessary within a certain framework or it's just part of, you know, whatever like that ecosystem is. Um, but it, yeah, is it, is it needless? Is it healthy? Is it beautiful? Is it ugly? Is it moving the plot forward? Is it just there for pure gore? I think, you know, yeah, yeah it's interesting to think about it from a cinematic perspective. Okay. So moving on. Just because something is illegal doesn't mean it's wrong. Laws often have an ulterior motive. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea it's wrong because it's illegal is something yeah. that people frequently cling to. And then I always just think you have to run down the list of things that were <laughs> legal or illegal and how silly it is in retrospect. You know, like, well, yeah. sl slavery was legal, you know, and, right. uh, you know, abortion would be another example nowadays of, of things that we have to examine from a like that laws are so really what you're getting at is laws are fluid and also laws are kind of based on on opinions of the opinions of a society and society evolves and moves forward and like you know the moral arc of the universe bends towards justice hopefully and that there's these things are always sort of evolving and also uh, going back to things we've talked about before, sometimes something is illegal because you know what? There's other people making money off it being illegal. Um, and like, so laws aren't always representing morality and also that there's a shifting morality. It's not just some fixed point in time. Uh, and so I think uh, it's just whenever someone, you know, argues, well, it's illegal, so therefore it's wrong. As a as a foundational statement, I'm always like, that's not actually what it, it means. It's illegal, like, but like that doesn't mean we can't have an argument about whether or not it's actually moral or immoral, or, or if right. it being yeah. illegal is the right way for it to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's a thing that people often point to: the line between legal and moral is sometimes more clear then the law makes obvious, you know? Yeah, and something we, as a society, we've been having more of an open conversation about our, our legal system and who it impacts yeah. the most and who gets incarcerated and what is that, how, what our laws are frequently used as tools within a society for control or for other right. things in a way that isn't always about morality. Um and uh, there's a, a book called Cast by Isabel Wilkerson that I think does a really interesting job of sort of showing how how laws and societal traditions and things like that can often be used as a form of oppression or a way of like sort of maintaining a hierarchy within a society as opposed to like just a way of being like, well, this is good and this is bad and we're doing the right thing by doing this. That, you know, sometimes you got to look under the hood as and, and examine why something is illegal and who wanted it to be illegal and what they're gaining or what other people are losing because of it. You can subscribe to or follow this show just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. 
If you have a moment, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, or anywhere else that allows you to do that. And when I say that, I mean, like, leave it a good review. I feel like that's obvious, but if, you, if you're just going to leave it a bad review, you, you don't have to. Anyway, it helps others find the show, which I really appreciate. Uh, if you want to reach out to me directly, you can email me at mattruby at hey.com. That's mattruby at hey.com. And if you like this podcast, you should subscribe to the Rube's Letter, where what you just heard first appeared. You can find that at mattrubycomedy.com slash subscribe. And while you're at mattrubycomedy.com, you can also find links to my Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok, where I post clips of my stand-up and other stuff, too. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. This podcast is produced by Stereoactive Media. 